0: Today we'll be continuing our series, A New Way to Be Human. Our scripture reading is Ephesians 4.25, 4.29-30, 4. and 5.4. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Well, hey, good to be with you this morning. Uh, My name is Nate, so if you're new and you want lunch, just talk to me afterwards. We'll do it. All right. All right. We have been uh, in this series, New Way to Be Human, for a few weeks, and the premise of the series is, in essence, this. As Paul is unpacking in Ephesians 4, he's, in essence, saying this, the essence of Christianity, the gospel, is not merely a future hope. It's not only a future hope of what is to come, and it's not only a hope for our past and all the brokenness of our sin, it's actually in the very present moment, it's a power to be lived in the present. It's something that actually enables you to be a new self, as Paul would say it, a new way to be human. And in Paul, in these sections, he's, he's working this, this new way to be human out in the very grittiness of everyday life. We saw a few weeks ago looking at um, forgiveness and reconciliation. We saw it a couple weeks ago with anger. And today... Paul begins to unpack this new way to be human with how we speak, with our words. Uh, And I, I want, as we begin here, to think for a moment of just how much words matter. Listen to these words for a moment. I love you. I hate you. You're insensitive. Did did you hear about so-and-so? I'm so proud of you. I don't want to see you anymore. I thank my God always for you. Think about those words as you listen to them. Just think about the effects that they have. There, there's, in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 18.21, it says this, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. This wisdom from Proverbs is saying that just as there can be physical wounds from a sword, Words are just as powerful. They can inflict emotional and psychological wounds that go so deep. I mean, to be honest, many of us here this morning, we are walking around wounded because of words that were spoken decades ago. But Proverbs also says that words have the power to heal. There's, there's something in words that can actually give life. Uh, I'm, I'm sure for some of us here, we can remember a word given by a friend in a hard time in life, and it helps you get through to the next day. There are words spoken that encourage us, that help us to endure. And, and Paul, earlier in this chapter, he says this in verse 15 and 16. He says, Rather... Speaking the truth in love we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head which is Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Paul is saying this he's he's writing to Christians and he's saying this this is a community project. This is a we thing. There's something he's calling the community to, and he's saying, I want you to be a community that works at building up one another, rather than dismantling it. And so, two things today we're going to see. What, what are the kinds of words that build? What are the marks of them? And then secondly, what is the source of words that build? So let me pray, and we'll step in. Father, this morning, just pray that the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts, would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, what are the kinds of words that build? There's three things Paul marks out in these things. First is this words that are truthful rather than false. Look at verse 25. Paul says, "...therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another." You know, right off the bat, when you read this, it's kind of like, well, yeah, of course. You know, we kind of just assume honesty is the best policy, right? Right? And it's very easy in our day to kind of like look out and look at social media or fake news or totalitarian regimes and say, oh yeah, they lie. But oftentimes we don't think about what this is actually saying and how it relates to us. Think about this for a moment. Truth is this. It's that which responds to reality without the shading or hiding of any facts, In Matthew 5, Jesus actually says, when you speak, you should speak as someone who's like in a courtroom in which you're swearing on a stack of Bibles. And Think about falsehood. Falsehood is a misrepresentation of the truth. And notice this, falsehood oftentimes has truth in it. In fact, that's honestly, more more than not, it's it's the most dangerous thing. It's, It's when it has more truth in it because what it does, it frames it in such a way to mischaracterize or misrepresent someone. Let me give you some examples. This is a helpful resource, talked about this. So think about this way, how do we lie? There's polite lies, right? When someone says, hey, you wanna come over for dinner? And we're just really exhausted and we don't wanna go. Or we don't really connect with that person. And we say, I would love to go, but I already have an appointment. There's the euphemism. You know what? It's feedback you give. You know, I think your writing is just too sophisticated for our readers. When really, you mean you're just a bad writer. Or think about exaggeration. In the heat of an argument, you always... You never. And those words are meant to actually bludgeon. They're meant to inflict wounds. Think about lies of inflation. Oh, it was such a blessing. The Lord was there. It was just incredible. Listen, sometimes in the midst of hardship, you know, God is there and you do see it. But when this is always what you respond with, it creates cynicism there's flattery. Listen to what flattery is. Flattery is when someone says to your face what they would never say behind your back. Gossip is the exact opposite. When someone says behind your back what they would never say to your face. Which way do you tend to lie? Which one do you fall into? Which way do you shade the truth? And and think with me for a moment about what happens when a community, when relationships are marked by falsehood. One of the things that happens is it, it, it exploits others. Keller writes this, every lie uses rather than loves a person. By keeping the truth from them, you put them in a dependent posture, and you exploit them. I was with a, a group of pastors this last week for a cohort, a retreat, and um, one of the pastors shared about a situation at their church, in which there's just this, this um, there's this couple that's really having struggles with their marriage. And what he shared was one of the spouses was going around to people in the church, people in their small group, and was sharing things and saying, please pray for us and please pray for my spouse. And in some measure, that can be a good thing, but the way the spouse was spinning it was, he's the problem. It's a misrepresentation. It exploits those who hear. All of a sudden, what happens in that community? How do they see the other spouse? How do they relate to him? It dismantles. Davidman writes this, There are lies of gossip which make haters out of us. There are lies of advertising and salesmanship which make money out of us. The lies of politicians who make power out of us amen? I don't know. Should we just, I mean, it, it's just so true, isn't it? The other thing about falsehood is it isolates. Uh, think with me for a moment about the lie of inflation. Put yourself in this situation. Let, let's say you're going through a really hard time in life, and you're in maybe a small group, maybe a city group, and week after week, you, know, you kind of go around the circle, hey, how can we pray for people? And what happens is, you, know, like you kind of throw out like, oh, my aunt needs prayer and this person needs prayer. And you just kind of let it go. You don't share. I'm not, sharing, I'm not saying you have to share everything in different settings, but here's the thing. If you walk around saying, I'm fine, and there's not places in the community you can go Where you say, No, I'm really struggling. I'm struggling to believe that God is good. Do you understand what you're doing? You are living in isolation. And and Paul here says that you're members one of another. That means if you're a Christian, not only do you belong to Jesus, you belong to other Christians. It's your family. One commentator put it this way, God always says what he means, and he always means what he says. What if, what if we grew in this season to speak words like that? What if we were honest at moments in which life was hard and we invite people to ask us to pray? What if in the midst of our conflict we said things like, not you never, but it feels like this in our relationship. Do do you understand how that begins to build? That changes things. But secondly, Paul says, words that build are helpful rather than corrosive. Verse 29 says this, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion, that that it may give grace to those who hear. Three years ago, we had uh, this huge ash tree that we had to take down in our front yard. And the reason was because it had the emerald ash borer had gotten into it. And like year by year, it just began to die, different parts of it. In fact, I remember one, like September, like the leaves started falling off in September before they even turned color, and you're like, oh, snap, that thing's dying. Now, Paul here, when he talks about harmful words. He's, that, that language of corrupt is actually used in a literal sense of decaying trees which produce rotten fruit. And Paul's saying there are words that look like that that create relationships in communities like that. And, and this means any speech that's harmful, things like abusive and vulgar language, words like, you don't get it, you're just dumb. Words of slander or gossip. And listen, this is what's so interesting about gossip and slander. It's not necessarily spreading lies or things that are untrue though that can be the case too. But it's words that are meant to make the other person look bad to diminish their reputation. It was interesting. I don't know all that went on politically, but like I just read yesterday in the Fitchburg Star a op-ed to the, letter, to, to the editor in which one of the candidates running for school board wrote a letter talking about how they were defamated, blamed for things they didn't do, and how it ruined their reputation. Paul is saying abusive, slanderous speech, when that takes place, relationships, it's going to be like a decaying tree. It's going to poison it. But rather, he says, put on this type of speech, that is, which, that which builds others up, that it may give grace to those who hear. Now, this is the nuance, right? Because some of you are like, if I always say what's true, I'm going to get in trouble, right? <laughs> like, uh, I want to use an example. Just you, you know it, right? You know the situations you're in. So here's the thing. When Paul says what's helpful to build others up, that means this. When you speak, here's what happens. You need to take into consideration the one you're speaking to. You need to think about what is helpful for them, you need to think for a moment, what what state of being are they in? Where are they emotionally? What can they handle? What would be helpful in this moment? Do you see the skill that this takes? This is not this is no small thing how can we speak truthful, wise, comforting, encouraging, and sometimes even hard words in our relationships? Listen to Proverbs 27.6. It says this, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Listen, sometimes in our relationships, it means we need to say hard things. That's actually what it means to be a true friend. Think about Jesus for a moment. There's just one, do you remember? Okay, there's one scene where Jesus says, Hey, by the way, guys, I'm going to be crucified and be killed. And Peter takes him aside and says, That can't happen. And Jesus says, Get behind me, Satan. That's a hard word, okay? And I'm not saying any of us here should say that to some of our friends, okay? Don't get me there. But what I am saying is, in our community, in our relationships, Are we willing to step into hard conversations? Like, in our community, are are there relationships where we can say things like, I'm concerned about your relationship with so-and-so right now. like, are we willing to get into that? Because sometimes in order to build others up to give grace, it does mean saying things that are hard. But secondly, sometimes, to be honest, we're just hurting. And and listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1. He says this the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. It sounds like a Dr. Seuss book, right? Like comfort could be in there a million times, right? But Paul is saying this How does God comfort? In your hardship, he comforts you. And in the midst of your hardship, you pass that comfort on to others. It's this community piece, walking alongside those who are suffering and hurting. So in, in, in other words, some of you have walked through infertility, or excuse me, infertility, miscarriages, loss of a close loved one, divorce, sickness. And what Paul is saying here, when you think about building others up, it means as you've walked through those seasons, you actually get to walk alongside others. It's part of being the body. It's part of being members of one another. So helpful rather than corrosive. And then lastly, thankful rather than crude. Look at Ephesians 5.4. Paul says this, Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Um, Eugene Peterson in his message, you know, kind of paraphrased translation, he says this, Don't talk dirty or filthy. That should not be in the mix of this community that orbits around the gospel. It should find itself nowhere in this community. But notice the pivot. The pivot is thanksgiving. Isn't that remarkable to think about? To go from crudeness to thanksgiving? Like, could you see anything opposite about that? They're so different. In Romans 1, it actually says that the root of all sin is that we don't give thanks to God. Keller writes this, which is really helpful. He says, actually, every day that your heart keeps pumping, your country is not invaded, and your brain keeps functioning, is a wholly undeserved gift of God. We ought to live simple, normal, uneventful days, full of amazed, thankful joy. So do you see for a moment the, the, the grittiness of this new self, of how it's to be played out in our speech. Let me ask a couple questions. What false, corrupt and crude words that inevitably dismantle and destroy community do you need to put off? And secondly, what truthful, helpful and thankful words that builds community do you need to put on? All right, lastly, what's the source of words that, that build? You know, it, there's a, it's interesting here. <clears throat> Paul doesn't just hand a script to us. This is more than a script. Um, Jesus, in the Gospel of Luke, he says this, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And what I want you to understand is this, is Jesus is saying this, is whatever is at the center of your life, That is what you will speak about. That is what will control what you say. And what's interesting about this is think about how this works out. Think about why you and I gossip. Why do you find yourself passing around bits of information to friends or peers in order to put you in a good light and someone in a bad light? Here's what's at the center of your life or potentially you've built your significance on what others think of you. And therefore, your words are putting down others in a lesser light because you want to build yourself up. Or consider, why are some of your words harsh and untrue? Why do you fly off the handle when someone brings up criticism towards this? One reason could be because someone's threatening what you hold most dear. And so you belittle, you manipulate, you put down others in order to gain the upper hand. Or consider this. Why sometimes are we not good friends and we don't say hard things? Why? Because we fear rejection. We love ourselves more than them. We we want to protect ourselves more than they're good. In other words, don't you understand, like in order to actually speak life-giving words, this is actually a deeper work. Like like I said, this isn't a script. This isn't like, hey, here's what you need to say today. Like there needs to be something that happens in your heart and my heart to be changed. So what is it? Earlier, in verse 23, Paul said to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And to put it another way, Paul is saying this, you need to receive a word from outside of you. You need a word that's going to mend your and my disordered heart. What is the word? In John chapter 1, there is this unusual way that John uses to describe Jesus. Listen to what he says. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God." The Gospel of John. John is saying, Jesus is the Word. In other words, what John is going to show is that He's the Word that commands our disordered hearts. And think about this for a moment. Jesus, He perfectly wielded words. In Matthew's Gospel, it says, "A gentle, a bruised reed, He will not break." He was tender. He was compassionate. Yet he was also perfectly direct. Never impulsive. But here's the thing, the Gospels don't just present Jesus as an example. Rather, he's ultimately God's final word that can deal with your sin and my sin. Jesus went to the cross and he took our lying, our deceiving, our gossiping, our harsh, our careless and absent words, words that have wounded and words that have killed, And he paid for them. And later on in John's epistle, he wrote this. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. And think for a moment, that's an identity statement, children of God. We just sang it a moment ago. But let me work this in for a moment. Listen, if you deal with gossip, think about this for a moment. If the king of the universe, the one who made everything, knows you all the way down and loves you and has done everything to be in relationship to you, and you're his, if he accepts you exactly as you are, then why are you so running after the approval of others? Or, how about this? You struggle with lying? Why do you need to deceive and disadvantage others in order to look out for yourself? Do you not know that you have a Heavenly Father who loves you and knows you and will provide? Or, how about this? Even in the hard circumstances you're walking through right now, do you realize you can be thankful? You can be thankful, not for the circumstances, but in them, because you know that in the moment, there is no shadow of a doubt that God is for you, that God is with you. In other words, the outward word that you need to hear day in and day out is the gospel. That is what will mend your disordered heart. That is what will change and transform your words to be words that don't dismantle community but actually build up community. Do you you know this love? Do you know his love? If you do, look to him. And then as you do, he will in you and through you help you to be a part of a community that speaks words that are truthful, that are helpful, and that are thankful. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks today for this outside word that has announced news that you have done everything possible to reconcile us to yourself through your Son. I pray this morning that you would apply that news to our words and our hearts in such a way that you would heal. Lord, we ask you for help in these divisive days that, Lord, we might be a community that speaks words that are truthful, that don't shade truth, that don't hide you might help us be a community that speaks words that are helpful, that would look out and would see the needs of others and would think about what word do they need. Lord, give us eyes to see. Lord, help us to speak words that are just thankful. Or Would we be a community that is marked by gratitude, even in the midst of whatever circumstances you have us in? So we ask this all, In the powerful name of your son Jesus, amen.